0: We're going to continue to talk today about how to host the Holy Ghost. When when Jesus was about to go to the cross, he talked with his disciples, and he said this in John 16. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage. The translation said it is expedient that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Amplified Translation says, to, he's going to represent me and act on my behalf. Now, Jesus had physically been with the disciples for three and a half years, and he says, it is expedient. It's to your advantage. It's going to be better because I go. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, we, were, we begun talking began talking last week about what the Holy Spirit does, and the first thing I said about hosting the Holy Spirit is don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send him. The Holy Spirit is not the dark side of the force or the good side of the force or whatever, right? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's a him. Jesus said he is what he will do. He has a personality. And when, when we disobey God, it grieves the Holy Spirit. He's grieved. And the first thing about hosting the Holy Spirit It says, we do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. But what we want to do is we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. In Philippians, it says, God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want what pleases him. Right? God's Spirit leads us through his word. He leads us by putting desires down on the inside of us. And we need to follow the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And and he did not come... To the inside live on the inside of us for a ride. He's there to participate. He's there to lead, to guide, to empower. Third thing we mention is honor the Word of God. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it is the Holy Spirit who is the author of the Bible. And the Bible comes alive, listen, it comes alive When the Holy Spirit makes that word come alive on the inside of us. You know, I I mentioned God's system of truth has never been hacked. You can't hack it because it's not intellectual. It happens by the Spirit. And it's the Spirit of God that makes the Word of God alive on the inside of us. But today I wanted to start talking to you about honoring the blood of Jesus as we host the Holy Ghost honor the blood of Jesus. In Hebrews 9:14, it says, "How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God." Now, notice it's done through the eternal spirit. It, it is the Holy Spirit working together with Jesus. And it says, "How much more shall the blood of Christ." The Spirit of God is always giving testimony to what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. Now notice it says, first of all, it will cleanse your conscience from dead works. Cleanse your conscience. We've all heard people who come up and they say things like this. It's just the first thing out of their mouth is, you know, I'm Jane and I'm divorced. I'm Tom and I'm a drug addict. I'm Bill, I've been an alcoholic. And they identify themselves based on their sin, based on their past. Listen, if you want the power of God in your life, you cannot look backwards. You cannot look backwards. You've got to look forward. It says it'll cleanse your conscience so that you don't think of yourself in terms of failure, in terms of sin. You think of yourself in terms of what Jesus has done for you. That he that knew no sin became sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. The Holy Spirit is constantly working on us to have us look at what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us, where the devil is constantly trying to get you to look at your past, at your failure, at your sin, at your shortcomings. And notice the result. It says that you may serve the living God. Most of us, I'll just say this, Christians in Western culture, When we think about Christianity, we think about it's what I believe and that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And those are both true things, but when you look at the New Testament, what the New Testament emphasizes for the believer is that you become a servant, that you become a servant. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And all through the New Testament, we find where it talks about believers serving. We serve God, we serve each other, we serve humanity. In fact, Jesus said, so let your light shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Every one of us, there are things the Spirit of God wants us to be doing that he's going to be leading us and guiding us into. Now in Leviticus chapter 14, It talks about the leper being cleansed. It said when the leper was cleansed, he would go to the priest. And the priest would begin, but he would take blood. And he would put blood on his right earlobe, blood on his big thumb, and then blood on the toe on his right foot. And then after he took the blood, it said he would take oil, the special anointing oil, from the temple, from the tabernacle. And he would take that oil and he would put the oil on his right earlobe. Then he'd put the oil on his right thumb and he'd put the oil on his right big toe, right on top of the blood. Now listen, the Holy Spirit moves and empowers where the blood of Jesus is applied. It says over in in Romans chapter 3 verse 25 that he is a propitiation a sacrifice through faith in his blood and when we put faith in the blood of Jesus the Holy Spirit moves in power in our lives you know it's you're under the blood and what you hear what you do and where you go Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a sacrifice through faith in his blood. In other words, everything that God does for you through the sacrifice of Jesus comes to you through faith in the blood of Jesus. You know, when you get to heaven, Romans, Romans, excuse me, Revelation chapter 5 says that when you get to heaven, you are going to sing about the blood of Jesus. Every one of us, all the redeemed, we're going to be singing together and say, You've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Now, it's in Philemon, there's just one chapter in the sixth verse, that it says that we're to acknowledge every good thing that we have in Christ. We know every good thing we have in Christ is because of the blood. So I thought we'd do a little bit of acknowledging. This morning as a congregation. So I'm going to uh, make a, an acknowledgement or a confession and I'd like you all to make that same confession out loud right after I do, all right? The blood of Jesus redeemed me the Jesus redeemed from the curse, the, the curse of the law. The blood of Jesus frees me, Jesus frees me from depression and hopelessness. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and defilement of the flesh. The blood of Jesus purchased me and by his stripes healing is mine. By the blood of Jesus, I'm accepted in the beloved. The blood of Jesus on the mercy seat in heaven Is speaking of me now. And the blood says, Accept me. The blood says, Forgive me. The blood says, Have mercy on me. The blood says, Bless me. The blood says, Deliver me. The blood says, Prosper me. The blood says, Give him peace. Yes, it does, in God's presence, 24-7, 365. Second thing I wanted to mention this morning about the blood of Jesus is an area where most of us never consider the benefits of the blood or being filled with the Spirit as a result of the blood. But it says in Exodus 31 that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic work, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Now, this is the first time in the Bible that anyone is filled with the Spirit. And he's filled with the Spirit to work. When God filled him with the Spirit, God gave him, through that, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in all manner of workmanship. The work that he was called to do. Now, in our our Christian minds, we tend to think that there's holy work, God's work, and then there's regular work. But 500 years ago, Martin Luther said it this way: He said, "The preacher that preaches the sermon, and the milkmaid that milks the cow, both serve the same God. Amen. Whether you're milking a cow or preaching, it. in fact, the truth is, if the milkmaid milks better than the preacher preaches, she gets more reward than the preacher gets. <laughs> because we think some things are holy and some things aren't holy, but that's not true." The Bible doesn't say that God filled the priest with the Spirit. It says that he f- filled the workman with the Spirit. And the truth is that every single one of us should ask God to fill us with the Spirit so that we can do the work that God has us doing, whatever it is, right? With wisdom, with understanding, and knowledge. That's what the Spirit of God gave to the workman. And God's Spirit will do the exact same thing today. I think it's interesting. That's the first person who gets filled with the Spirit in the Bible. In Colossians, it says, not to, be, not to work with just for eye service, as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not men. For you know that from the Lord you will receive the reward of an inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So whether you're working at General Motors, in a bank, at Steelcase, whether you're running a computer, no matter what it is that you do, the Bible says your real boss is the Lord. That's your real boss. It's the Lord. And you will receive a reward from Him. Somebody said, well, I ain't flipping no burgers for nine bucks an hour. You ain't doing it for nine bucks an hour. You're doing it for the Lord. The nine bucks an hour, that's just a benefit on the side, right? And you're going to receive, the Bible says, you're going to receive a reward from the the Lord, right? Now, He doesn't look at what you're doing as much as He looks at your attitude and your heart as you're doing what you're doing, right? So I believe this. I believe that Christians should be the best employees every place that they work. They should be the best because they're not doing it for a person or for $10 an hour or whatever it is. They're doing it for the, they're doing it for the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord is the one who will reward you. So we need to ask the Spirit of God to equip us, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, all right, so that we can acknowledge, so we can do whatever it is that we do the absolute best that we possibly can Because we're not doing it for men. We're doing it for the Lord. All right. Number three is constantly ask his counsel, his wisdom, his help. In James, it says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally without reproach, it'll be given to him. James is saying very basically that you need help. I need help. He said, and what we need to do is we need to go to God and we need to ask for wisdom for the situations that we're facing. In John 14, it says, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby. Notice the Holy Spirit is referred to as the counselor. And and I think that it's interesting that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived he talked more about getting advice and counsel than everybody else in the Bible put together, right? He just constantly was saying, get counsel, get counsel, get advice, get counsel, get advice. Without consultation and wise advice, plans are frustrated. Well, there is no one as wise as the Spirit of God. No one, right? In fact, he's called the wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. You know, a lot of times people want to see somebody. And they want, that, I've had people say, I just got to see you, Pastor. You, you know, I got to tell you what's going on. I need help. I need counselor. Look, look, listen, listen. 20 minutes on your knees with a wonderful counselor will do more than hours and hours and hours of getting with anybody else. He is the wonderful counselor. And when we ask for wisdom, the Bible says he will not withhold that wisdom from us. Number four, in cooperating and hosting the Holy Spirit, is repent. When there's sin in your life, repent. Repentance should not be a one-time deal or something that happens every six months when an evangelist comes to church. In 1 John 1 and 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, you know this. When when you confess your sin to God, that is not when he finds out. All right? And, And the word confess here is more than, it's not just saying, I did that. All right? The word confess here means to agree or to say the same thing as. All right? So literally what it's saying is this. When you confess your sins, you're not saying, Lord, I did this, I did that. When you confess your sin, you're saying, God, this is wrong. That's wrong. I did what was, we agree with God on the perspective of the sin, right? Now, the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of riches and the, riches, excuse me, the deceitfulness of sin and the deceitfulness of sin is this, listen, sin says to you, just go ahead and do this and then say you're sorry and it'll be just like you never did it. It's deceitful because it's not true, because sin affects your heart, right? It, over in Romans chapter 1, it talks about how sin affects us, right? And what it does is it dark. it says their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, your heart becomes dark when you sin, where you no longer see sin the way sin really is. You no longer see it as evil. You no longer see it as wrong. Uh, you, you know how this works. Temptation comes, and you fight that temptation, but if you give in and you sin, you think, well, I'm okay. But the next time the temptation comes, you fight less. And the next time you fight less, and the next time you fight less until finally you don't fight at all. right? Second Timothy chapter 2, the 26th verse says, you have been taken captive by Satan to do his will, right? You have become passive against sin, right? Now, two things have happened to you. First of all, you no longer see sin as evil the way that it really is, Your foolish heart is darkened. You no longer see sin as as being really bad. It's not so bad. In fact, you come to the point where you're like, God, I'm sorry you don't like my sin because I like it. How many of you know that sin is fun? Nobody. (laughs) Read your Bible. If If you didn't think it's fun, you just didn't do it right. The Bible says, Hebrews 11, the passing pleasures of sin. Is there pleasure? Yeah, all right? But it passes, all right? It passes because in the begin, there may be pleasure, but in the end, all right, it's grief. It's sorrow. It's heartache. It brings death, all right? So David commits adultery with Bathsheba, and then he repents. And this is what he said Psalms Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart he realized that that sin had affected his heart and he no longer saw sin as being evil anymore. And he needed God to do something in his heart. And his prayer is right in your Bible, Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart. God, let me see sin as evil the way you see sin. And then he prayed more. And he said, create in me a steadfast or a strong spirit. What he was saying was this, there was just nothing in me that was resisting sin anymore. That strength in my spirit where I could stand up to sin and say, no, it was gone. And he said, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a strong, steadfast spirit in me so that when sin comes, next time I'm not going to fall, next time I'm going, no. You see, it's in your spirit that you have that strength to resist sin. So the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. Now, the devil always tries to counterfeit what God does. And devil's counterfeit of conviction is condemnation. Right? Romans 8 says, there is, no therefore, there is now therefore no condemnation. But this is what condemnation sounds like. The devil comes up and he says, I can't believe you did that. And he says, God's mad at you. God's not going to answer your prayer. God's not going to bless you. God's not going to use you. You are on the shelf. I can't even believe you're a Christian. That is condemnation. Right? Conviction is God loves you, and God is waiting for you with open arms, and God is going to restore you, and your best days are ahead of you. Right? What a difference! All right, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Right? Uh, what? What? I've seen happen so often, through life stuff happens and people get mad at God. Job got mad at God, right? Things went, went sour in Job's, Job's life, he, family catastrophe, l- lost his, his wealth, there was sickness, and he is mad at God. He said in Job 35, I am more righteous than God. Now how many of you know when you start going, I'm more righteous than God, you do have problems? right? Job 34, 37, to his sin he adds rebellion, scornfully he claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. Job 34, I am righteous and God has taken away my justice. Job 33, I'm pure without transgression, I'm innocent. There's no iniquity in me, yet he finds occasion against me and he counts me as his enemy. And he's running away from God and things are not going well. In Job chapter 42, he repents. He agrees with God. He makes his confession, right? He agrees with God. He said, I repent in dust and ashes. And the Bible says, and God turned the captivity of Job. When he he repented, God turned the captivity of Job. And uh, sometimes we get mad at God and it keeps us away from God. God is never the problem. Never was, never is, never will be. God is the answer to our problem. And so often we're blaming God for things that God did not do. We brought on ourselves. The Bible says that a man's own folly ruins his life. Yet his heart rages against the Lord. We make decisions, we allow things in our lives, and then we get mad at God because of what happened. But it's a man's own folly that ruins his life. All right? Number five, listen to the inner witness. Listen to the inner witness. In in, uh, Psalms 42, it says that deep calls to deep. Deep calls to deep. What that is saying is is the spirit of God, the deep of God, the spirit of God calls to the deep in you. It calls to the spirit in you. In Proverbs 20, 27, it says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So when God speaks to you, he speaks to your spirit. It's deep calls to deep. And it's in Romans 8, 16, it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the moment you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and he speaks to your spirit. And he says, he bears witness with your spirit and says, you're saved, you're forgiven, you're right with God. That's the first thing that happens. Now, listen, he never stops. He keeps talking. He keeps talking, but not just about your being saved. He keeps on just bearing witness of certain things in your life. Now, in 1 John 2, 27, it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You don't need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing, Holy Spirit teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, so abide in him. All right, so the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. This is kind of how it works, okay? Now let's let's say I'm preaching, all right? On the inside, there is something on the inside of you going, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's the spirit bearing witness with your spirit. See, you I can communicate s- some words to you, but it's the spirit that takes it on the inside and bears witness and teaches you. Now, if you're listening to somebody else, he, the Holy Spirit might be going, That's right, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong. Somebody else, right? How many, l- l- listen, listen. How many ever had the Holy Spirit go, That's wrong? All right. How many, you know, you, you, you were thinking of, you were thinking, We're not talking about something that you figure this out in your head. It's not natural. You see, something can look really, really, really good. And on the inside, something is going, don't do it. How many ever had that? How many did it anyway? How many went really bad? Yeah, yeah. See, that, it's the anointing that teaches you. And, and it's not, it, it, it's just this inner knowing. Somebody said, where is that? It's in your knower. Right? We can say like your spirit is your knower. Because you just know it down on the inside. The Holy Spirit is teaching you. Now notice, it says he teaches you all things. Not just that you were a Christian, that you're saved, that you're forgiven. That happens instantly. But as you go through life, the Spirit of God on the inside, that inner witness, is going to be bearing witness, going, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. In the Old Testament, it says it like this. It says you'll you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That, that that inner witness it directs you. When you begin to go in the wrong direction, something on the inside it's just going. That's not right. That's not right. In Psalms twenty, Psalms me, in Acts twenty-seven, uh, the apostle Paul is is imprisoned, and they're sending him to Rome. He's on a ship. Hurricane season has begun, and they have found a small bay, and it's not really a great place to winter. So they're, ha- they're they're taking a vote. Shall we stay here or shall we not stay here? And Paul stands up saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only of the ship, but also of our lives. Now, he didn't say the Lord told me, didn't say I had a dream, I had a vision. He just said, I perceive, I perceive. Inside, he just kind of had that, this is what's going to happen. He just knew. I remember years ago, Jeannie and I were living in, in Mexico. We were living in an Indian village with the Otomi Indians. And uh, I was working with a pastor. We were doing a lot of church planning, evangelistic meetings. And one day, I just had this, this, I did not hear a voice. I just like, I knew. There was a Bible school in Guadalajara. I had taught there before. And I just had this, this, this I just knew. They're going to contact me. They're going to ask me to come and teach on their staff. I'm supposed to move. I just knew. I told Jeannie, and she said, That ain't going to happen. You know what happened, don't you? That's what happened. They contact us. They want you to move. I just knew. I just knew. A lot of times it's just something that comes up before you, and the Spirit of God just says, This is right. This isn't right. But it is that inner witness. It's not because it looks good in the natural it's not because you figured something out it's simply the spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God